some new running shoes earlier this week, decided to start running outside of his workout routine. Mind you, he does cardio, not just running. So Thursday, he takes it upon himself to run 10 miles. When I saw him at the gym late Friday afternoon, he was complaining of ankle pain. And by the time he got to my place to meet me for dinner, he was limping. A very non-Chris-like thing to do. He limped to the car, he limped to the restaurant, he limped to the grocery store. So when we got back to my place, I asked him if he would like me to pray for his ankle. And he said, yes. Now, mind you, I've never really prayed for healing. I believe that it happens, and I believe it happens for others. But it's just one of those things that I, that I read and say to myself, well, that's nice for them. But I figured it wouldn't hurt. So we sat down, and I held his hand with one of my hands and placed my other hand on his ankle. I prayed a simple prayer, and when we were finished, nothing happened. In my head, I was like, okay, well, God just didn't want to do that, so that's cool. Who am I to dictate to God what he, what, what he should do? So a minute later, I, I take my dog for a walk, and um, leaving Chris sitting on the couch. Okay, so I was walking my dog. I thought to myself, I forgot to rebuke our unbelief and ask God to replace our doubt with his faith. And that the same spirit that's in those other people who have healed people at church, that same faith is in me. So I told Max, my dog, because I talked to my dog, <laughs> that we were going back in there and praying again. However, when I got back to my apartment, Chris was standing. I asked him how his ankle was, and he said, it's good. He did it. <laughs> I was so excited. I was so excited, and so am I, by the way. I was so excited and yet doubtful. I asked Chris to show me, to jump up and down and run around, which he did. The man was limping in pain less than an hour before, and now he's walking and jumping around. I'm still kind of like, really? But I'm so thankful to God, and, and I'm like, wow, kind of in shock. It's one thing to read of God's miracles and hear of God's miracles, but when you actively experience His healing power, it's a whole new ballgame. I was just listening to your sermons on the six points that increase your faith. And you mentioned that signs, miracles, and wonders were one of the things that increase faith. That is definitely true. How cool is that? And they're right here. Amen. Chris, can you jump up and down a little bit for us? Is it all right? Amen. Okay, now, Jennifer had never prayed for for healing before. She's seen us do it. They've been in our church a matter of months. And she, this, this is the paradigm we're after. Not just for me and Mark and a few of the other leaders, the priests, the clergy, to do all the healing. The body of Christ is to be unleashed on the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. Or on our own works when we run 10 miles of new tennis shoes. Jesus still has mercy on us, even if the devil's not involved. So, if God can heal through Jennifer, God can heal through you. Amen. All right, so raise your hand if you need healing. Raise it high so the church can see. And then people, please come around and let's pray prayer, a prayer of faith like Jennifer did. And let's watch Jesus begin to heal and deliver and set free in this house today. Teenagers, come on, go for it. Pray, pray from the core of your being. Pray in faith and watch Jesus begin to heal in this house. Real important. We don't do this. We don't do this for show. We do this to show off God. Amen. 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 So you guys can grab a seat and let's let's hear what Jesus is doing in the house. Go ahead. Okay. 
So a couple weeks ago, I rolled my ankle, and I couldn't, like, move my ankle in circles because it hurt. And I got prayed for, and now I can, like, move it, and I can point it. There's no pain. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Did something happen down here? All right, well, get up here. Look at that. We got... We've wasted 10 seconds so far of our precious time. 11, 12, 13... Okay, so um, I think it was Monday. I was uh, I was in weight training and I was uh, doing the incline. And you're supposed to go like this with the weights, and I put way too much on, and I ended up bending my back too much. And I turned to look at my friend, and he wasn't like spotting me where he was supposed to be. And something in my back just popped. No, that's and, it's dangerous. Yeah, and I and I was about to like drop the weights, but I couldn't, so I had to like bend my back and I had to rack them. So. After that was done, I, I like hobbled over like to the corner and I'm just like, I put ice on it and um, nothing was helping. And then it was kind of like numb. It was, it was kind of gone. And then I went home and I was playing my guitar and I uh, reached over to get something. And then all of a sudden my back just started hurting like crazy. And ever since then it was, um, it was just annoying. I couldn't bend my back, you know. Like and, you're doing uh, right now. Yeah, like I'm doing right now. So, I'll just, <laughs> so I go down there and so... Uh, Josh Hamilton puts uh, his hand right here, and so they're praying and they're claiming healing, and it's already getting looser. I start going like this, and then um, next thing I know, I'm going like this. You know, I start like moving my Praise hips, God. and I'm just like, Praise God, Amen, Amen. So let me ask you a question: Is Josh Hamilton the healer, or is Jesus the healer? I just wanted to, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, all right. Good move, Josh. That was a good move. All right. He's like, no, we do heal, but we heal in Jesus name. I'm sure there are other healings in the house that took place. Please record those so we can have them uh, in our testimonial booklet and we can continue to give God praise and encourage others. Uh, I want to ask you if if you please pray with me for my wife. I was asked if we would do this. Uh, Hope uh, had a tumor removed from her throat on on Tuesday and uh, they don't know. uh, They don't know. Whether it's malignant or not yet, uh, the report will come back next week. But the medication is not removing the pain. She hasn't eaten in like, well, since Tuesdays. So that's what. And, you know, Hope doesn't have any weight to lose to begin with. I don't know if you can go to a triple zero or not. But um, so she's at home in a lot of pain and not doing well. Gary, would you please come up and lead us in prayer? Would you guys pray for my wife with me, please? I really appreciate it. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing that is too big for you. And there's nothing impossible with you. So we lift hope up to you right now. And God, we pray that you would just move in this situation. I pray, first of all, that all of the symptoms of the pain would leave her right now. As we're praying, even now. God, that the, the, the bondage of pain would go and would be broken just as we've been worshiping you. God, I pray that you would take care of all the situation regarding her eating, that she would be able to eat and would feel like eating and would, would be able to, um, to enjoy her food. And it wouldn't be a problem to her, God. Restore her energy, strengthen her, lift her up. And God, we pray for a good report on this test this week. There, we come against all, we come against cancer of any type in Jesus' name. 
we put Jesus Christ and break the bondage of cancer yes, in her life, Lord. The big C of Christ destroys mm. the little C of cancer. And so we're expecting a good report. We're believing for a good report. We come against all fear. In Jesus' name, I pray for peace in the household. I pray for peace with all the children and as they're, they're managing and taking care of the household. God, give hope rest in you and an assurance and hope in you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Gary. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Um, Put our my dress up. So. Put your dress up, and we mail like cards or kind words or like pretty little scriptures. And then the kids, which is really better, can read them out loud to her. That is sweet. Um, yes. If you would like to write a card, that's what you're asking to write it. Yeah, Right. Sure. You can send uh, all cards and million-dollar checks to 505 Matthew Court, Ramona. 505 Matthew Court. It's 505. It's easy. It's the meek shall inherit the earth. Matthew 505. 55. Matthew 505. Matthew 505 Court. Yeah. 505 Matthew Court. For connect groups. I'll be meeting with the connect group leaders after church today. We're going to have a little training session and laying hands on you guys and launching you out. I, I so appreciate the connect group leaders. Here are a couple of testimonies. Amen. Here are a couple of testimonies of um, people in connect groups. This one I got this week is real short and sweet. Seriously. I love our church so much. Sissy came over this morning and helped pack my kitchen while I was on the phone working. I just got a call from Ron. He wanted to send me a check to help me. Really? This has never happened before. Isn't that beautiful? She means like in other churches she's been in. All right. Here's another one. I had the opportunity to attend a couple of barbecues this summer with the new members of the 2030s Connect Group. Now, this is a person. This is a person. Yeah, if your Connect Group comes up, then you can shout and, um, yeah, and hold up your banner. Best Connect Group at Gathering Place. Whatever you need to do. This is a person who we have like 80% of our congregation in Connect Groups. I don't, I don't, yeah, amen. I, I don't, any church in America, any pastor would give his left arm for that. I don't know what the other 20% of you guys are doing, but, um, but, uh, maybe you have your own little church forming. I'm not sure, but this is a person who felt like, well, everybody's connected but us. And so we kind of feel weird about where do we connect. And I said, you just got to take, you got to bust a move. Just check one out. And so, so she says, uh, Checked out a 2030s Connect group as well as a Newcomers Connect group. It was really nice to attend a relatively small gathering, put names to familiar faces from church, discuss the sermon, and get to know fellow church members in a casual and relaxed environment. Pardon the pun, but it really helped me feel more connected to the church, connect groups, and that I was no longer just a stranger in a crowd. It has helped open the door to new friendships, which I hope to deepen and strengthen as I attend the new group beginning this week. This person also who decided to step out in the connect group got baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues a couple weeks ago. I mean, she just got toasted by the Holy Spirit. It was great. That happened in my connect group. All right. The next one. Yeah, so 
barbecue and fun and frivolous stuff with our connect group. Power of God, my connect group. All right. Here's another one. Through my connect group, I've gained brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as a father and a mother figure. This is so important to me as I have a very small family and most members are estranged. My connect group has helped me build lasting friendships and get to know the rest of the congregation. This person just came to our church this year. When I first began attending, I didn't know many people from GPC and those I did know were really weird. No, I'm no. They were they were dirt. That was your group. That was your group. You're always free to go check out a new group if it's just kind of like, you know, deliverance anyway. And those I know were more like Sunday acquaintances. That's what she wrote. My connect group makes me feel like I truly have a family in the Gathering Place Church. I used to look forward to the meetings each week. I really miss them and can't wait for them to resume because we break for the summer. I remember how much fun they were and how the message from uh, Sunday sermon was like the best message I've ever heard ever in the history of, the, of, of, of Christendom. <laughs> No, it was not when I was on sabbatical because we didn't have connect groups going while I was on sabbatical. Thank you very much. (laughs) We had one. We had one. Amen. How the messages from Sunday sermons always gained greater meaning and depth. There were even times I could not recall the message. (laughs) When my leader prompted the discussion, but as... Each member added their perspective because they did not sleep during their sermons like I had. (laughs) We are completely annihilating your testimony, by the way. I hope you're okay with that. They added their perspective, found that I had my own revelations to share. My connect group helps me to fully partake in the spiritual feast that the gathering place offers to its members. So praise God. So I'd like to have the the the, uh, the connect group leaders that are launching this quarter. We please come uh, down front and you received an email saying you're supposed to sit in the front row. So first I have to rebuke you. Now I forgive you and we will wait for you to come down from where you are. Oh, one quick announcement. We are handing out hundred dollar bills at my connect group <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Amen. So. By the way, if you ever say, I can't get a hold of the pastor, these are the pastors of the church. I went to the hospital, nobody visited me. What connect group are you in? I feel disconnected. What connect group are you in? I need financial help. What connect group are you in? And the connect groups, people know you. They know your life. They walk with you. They journey with you. They celebrate with you. So the Sunday mornings are for celebration and for empowerment and for launching out for the next seven days of the week. This is like the locker room before we go out to... The Super Bowl. These are the coaches. These are the pastors. These are the ones that are going to nurture you, empower you, strengthen you, be there for you in your darkest hour and your greatest uh, victories. Amen. So will you reach your hands out to them and let's bless these guys. Father, we bless these pastors. We pray for wisdom. There is wisdom on them already. God is already stirring in their hearts. Faith is rising in them for God's people, for you. 
Lord, we pray that we see salvations, miracles, wonders, deliverances, healings, restored marriages, teenagers that catch on fire. God, we pray for diseases and sicknesses to fall off bodies through these connect groups. We pray for heaven on earth, revelations, light, wisdom, understanding of the scriptures. And we pray for life and community and family and deep friendships forged and made through these connect groups this quarter. We pray heaven on earth, on and through these connect groups this quarter, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We're going to have a great quarter this quarter. You can meet your connect group leader out front um, after uh, the service today. We also have all the information you need. You can always go on the website and click on current connect groups. You have a map, directions, phone numbers. Uh, it is very, very easy to get connected here at the Gathering Place Church. So if you're visiting today, in your bulletin, you're going to have a little welcome card. If you'll fill that out, drop it off. At the table on the way out, way out, we have a little gift for you. We have a worship CD from our uh, worship team, as well as a testimonial booklet of the things God's doing in our church. You can always get on our website and look up testimonies and see current testimonies. They're happening every week. It'll really spark your faith that God is on the move. He's on the move right here. So I want to jump back into the series that we are in right now. Uh, which is, what page is Jesus on? I don't have a whole lot of time left. We've done some very important things today, so I'm just going to shuck the corn real fast, all right? If you're from the South, you understand what that means. If you don't, you're like, what did he just say? I said, shuck the corn, all right? What page is Jesus on? No, Jesus is on his page. Unless you're talking about the Bible, you're right. He's on every page of the Bible. But here, here is the, here, here is wisdom. Get on whatever page Jesus is on and stay on it. Because Jesus is the architect of your life. He's the architect of the universes. He is the architect of the earth, the architect of the human race. He's the architect of marriage. He's the one that, that came up with the whole concept. He's the architect of child rearing parenting. He's the architect of finances and financial stewardship. He's the architect of how to have a successful relationship with the father. That's why Jesus said to his first disciples, he grabbed them out of their normal life, a tax collector, fisherman. He just grabbed them up and said, come follow me. That's what he always says. Follow me. Satan sowed the lie in the garden of Eden to Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. And Satan said, follow yourself. God is holding you back, pinning you in and holding you down. In fact, if you would just depend on your own wisdom, your own philosophies and do your own thing, you will become a God. You know, he actually said that to them. That's Mormon doctrine, by the way. I love this one cartoon I saw one time says, you know, the B.C. comic strips used to be in the newspaper. He said, I think it's an amazing thing that man has a hard time believing that God could become a man, but they have no problem believing that man could become a God. (laughs) 
At one point, this, I hope this is the smartest thing that could ever happen to you. At one point, you've got to just draw a line in the spiritual sand and say, I want to find out every single day what page is Jesus on in every single area of my life. And that's the page I'm going to get on. Because he's the smartest person there is. And he loves me and cares about me. And I want him to be the leader of my life. Amen. So we're not going to look at this passage, but we've been looking at Matthew chapter 21, where Jesus goes to church and he finds out. He looks at the condition of the church the condition of the people of God, and he turns over the tables of the money changers and he sets things right. And there are four things that he injected back into the church, which is very interesting. I did not realize this until I began studying this passage for this series, that they're the exact same four pillars, I call them, that Jesus spoke to me when I pioneered this church. Now, that doesn't make me spiritual. That just means that God wants these four things in his church. I was walking around the little school building we began this church with, and the Lord told me to go to the church, but go to the school, walk around the school building, and when you get to every corner, four corners of that church building, the school building, I will, I will tell you what to prophesy into the foundation of that church. So I had a blank page. I did not know what he was going to say when I got to each corner. And I don't make stuff up, because that's just a waste of time. So, like New Year's messages, you know, I don't come out just with give you something that rhymes and call God, call it God because it won't happen. And I don't want to waste my time or your time with nifty New Year's resolutions and prophetic sayings. So I like to hear what God is saying. And so I came to the first corner and he said prayer. And I, I prophesied prayer into the foundation of this church. Then I went to the second corner and he said compassion. And we already have looked at prayer and compassion. And then I went to the third corner and prophecy came out and I prayed prophecy into the corner pillar of the third corner of this house. And then the fourth one was praise, which we'll look at in a couple of weeks. Next week, Jonathan Welton is going to be here who has the gift of discerning his spirits. Unlike anything, I think I or Mark or Gary probably have ever seen before. God has opened up Jonathan Welton's eyes to the spirit realm. And he sees into the realm of the spirit and he's able to impart that. And he's already imparted to some people in our church who are now operating in the discerning of spirits. And they see things that are just wild. And they help you understand what is Satan doing and what is God doing because you get the veil pulled back and you see into the realm of the spirit. He'll be here next Sunday morning. He uh, wrote a book called um, the, the, the School of the Seers. And uh, it is uh, powerful. But today I want to look at this fourth pillar, which is prophecy. Jesus walked into the church and he quoted the scriptures, the word of God, the voice of God twice in that short little passage, restoring the word of God to the church. To me, the definition of prophecy is twofold. One, God has spoken. And secondly, God is speaking. To me, prophecy simply means the voice of God. What is God saying? When I prophesied that into the foundation of this church, I, I, what I saw was like a big mouth in the corner of that, of, the, of that church. God's mouth. To me, that is prophecy. What has God said and what is God saying? These are two categories. Now, first one, what has God spoken? What has God said is the written word. It's the Bible. Jesus placed the word of God, the Bible, in the highest regard. He quoted it twice just in that short passage to Matthew chapter 21. He said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. 
Then he said again, it is written, you have perfected praise out of the mouth of babes. In other words, children know to praise me. It's the adults that have come to decide that they know more than God. Children just know to worship Jesus. I love have, I love hearing my children go around the house singing these little praise songs they, they learn in children's church. It is so pure. It is so innocent. It is so real. It's so right. And yet we get to become adults and it's like, oh, praise music. That's on Sundays. But what do you do during the week? I love cranking on K-Love in my car. I crank it up and we worship. I love cranking on the worship here at our church, our, our worship CD. I crank on all sorts. Of, and I wake up in the mornings, get the kids ready for school, and you put, a, you know, put on some worship music in the house and dancing around the kitchen with my kids. I love it. Children know that we are to be praising God. That's why he says, It is written, Out of the mouth of babes you have perfected praise. Jesus placed the word of God above everything else. Do you know the Bible says that God has placed his word above his name? We are singing there's name and the power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says God's word is above his own name. Jesus one time was teaching in a group in somebody's house or somewhere. And his mother and his brothers and his sisters came to the meeting. They're outside and the place is packed. No, no room to sit, standing room only. And one of his disciples comes in, interrupts the rabbi and says, your mother and your brothers are outside. Now we're talking about the mother Mary. You understand the holy ground we're on right now? And you know what Jesus' answer was? Bring a special chair in, different than any other chair. And put it right next to me. And let's hear what she has to say. Is that what he said? I don't say this to dishonor the mother Mary, but we have made a bit of an idol out of her, I think. Here's what Jesus said. Who is my mother, my brothers and my sisters, but they who hear the word of God and do it. Dang. I don't know if I would have tried to pull that one off on me personally. I don't know if I would have gone there. Woo. Talk about honoring the word of God. And you know, the scriptures that Jesus quoted were scriptures that had been written thousands of years earlier. Jesus honors the word of God. Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What do you think you should be building your life on? Until you see the Bible as more than a historical book or a book of philosophy or wise words of men, you will never take it seriously and you will never build your life on it. Look at the apostle Paul says in first Thessalonians two thirteen. for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Look at this last phrase, which also effectively works in you who believe. If you do not believe the word of God is the word of God, it will not work for you. You have got to honor God by believing it, humbling yourself, mixing your faith with the written word of God and then applying it to your life. That is when the word of God will be in working for you. No more debate. No more questioning, no more arguing. You know, the Bible says your word is settled forever 
in heaven. Nobody in heaven is arguing when God speaks. Someone did that once already. And everybody saw what happened to him. His name used to be Lucifer, the bright star, the daybreak. Now his name is Satan, the dark one, right? the deceiver. He lost his nature of light and it was turned to black darkness when he rejected the counsel and wisdom of God. Think about it. I want to land hard on this point because we don't have much time. I'm not going to expound on the other type of prophecy, which is the present, current, spontaneous uh, speaking of God. The gift of prophecy, dreams, visions, revelations. I'm not going to go there because I don't have time. We have that. We talk about that so much in our church. But today I want to really lean hard on the written word, the prophetic word of God, the written word of God, because it is the firm foundation. There are three things to do with prophecy. Or the word of God. Obey it, pray it, and say it. Will you say that with me? Obey it, pray it, and say it. Say it with me again. Obey it, pray it, and say it. One more time. Obey it, pray it, and say it. If you will decide right now in the core of your being, grab your brain that's trying to rest, fight against The word of God is being the word of God. Grab a hold of that demonic thought and pull it down right now. And make the deep decision in the core of your being. The Bible is the words of God. And from this moment forward, I am going to obey it. Because it's smart for you. I am going to pray it. Because that will bring heaven on earth. Because heaven respects the word of God. So when you pray the word of God, you're lining up with heaven. And heaven goes whoosh, right in and performs the word of God. Did you get that spray? Welcome to Shamu. <laughs> now for some of the connect group leaders and leaders that did not sit on the front row. Now I understand why. They're like, we really want to obey what you asked us to do. But we don't want to get spit on. I understand now. See, you missed the healing spit. His eye just got healed. You really have to come to a place. I can't emphasize this enough. You have got to come to the place where you come to the deepest uh, no point, no, no point of no return decision. The word of God is the word of God. I could prove it to you historically. I just don't want to take time to do that today. We, we've done that before where you can compare all literature in the history of the world that we consider the, the most important literature of the history, in the history of the world and how they test it to see if it's authentic. And you do that exact same acid test on the Bible and the Bible leaves every other Book, written document, historical document in the dust. So if you're going to be honest, then you're going to, if you throw out the Bible as being the word of man and not the word of God, you also have to throw out every other historical document that's ever been tested by historical scientists. Jesus believed it was the word of God. Look what Jesus said. Obeying the word of God gives us protection, freedom, and success. Matthew seven twenty four through 28, Jesus says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. 
like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain may come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, Jesus Christ says this, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, that means you have the ability to obey it, right? It is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So this is like someone who says, well, I think having sex before marriage is okay. I mean, it feels right. I love the person anyway. Well, that's your philosophy. It's not Jesus's. It's not the word of God. You're building your house on sand. There are things that happen in the core of your being, your emotions, your psyche, your identity. There are insecurities that end up in that relationship that you will not be able to explain. It's because you have given the deepest core of your being to a human being that is not yet committed to you for the rest of your life. It wreaks havoc in your psyche and in your soul. You won't understand why you're being, you're starting to get weird. You're starting to get insecure. You're starting to covet. You're starting to get jealous. You're starting to not communicate well. I have this one couple that came in and said, our communication is horrible. We don't know what the problem is. I said, well, are you guys, are you guys sexually engaged? Yeah. I said, well, you need to repent from that because you grieve the Holy Spirit. You're not doing it God's way. They did. They came back and they said, unbelievable. He says, I understand what she's saying now. The wisdom of God was lacking in that relationship because what we are saying is, God, we're doing it our way, not your way. You see, God doesn't give us these parameters to be a killjoy. He, he knows how he's designed us to function, operate, and to be healthy and whole. Amen? So he gives us these things. And so whether it has to do with our, our sexual lives, whether it has to do with the way we relate to one another, forgiveness is not an option. You end up being angry and bitter and resentful and full of nastiness. Right. Unforgiveness is going to produce bitterness. That's why Jesus says you got to forgive. We got to do it God's way when it comes to finances, not doing it God's way. I ask every single person that comes to me. I just did it last week. I don't care if you are broke or if you are rich. I will. When you come to me to pray for a provision or a job, I will say, are you tithing? We can't even start until you start tithing because God says to give him the first 10 percent of your income, then he will become your financial provider. So how can I go to him on your behalf or my behalf and ask God for provided financial provision when we've decided to do it our way rather than his way? It's just schizophrenic. It makes no sense. Jesus says that if we want to build our lives in such a way that when hard times hit, our lives, our marriages our finances, our health will still stand. We've got to build it based on his architectural design. We've got to stop arguing with him and just do it his way. The second thing that Jesus' word, the word of God, prophecy, the prophetic word of God, the Bible, brings into our lives not only uh, protection, it also brings freedom. Boy, do I love that one. Whoo! I mean, you know, to some people, this scripture is just kind of like, you know, a nice little throwaway line. But listen to this. 
not to those who have been set free by the word of God. So Jesus said in John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you continue to say it out loud, obey my teaching, not just come to church on Sunday and hear it and forget about it. So you have to go to uh, a connect group and be reminded of it and then learn how to follow through on it. If you continue to obey my teaching, you are truly my followers. Then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You really will not know the truth of the Bible until you put it into practice. Jesus said it this way. If you doubt my teachings, put them in the practice and then you will know they are the word of God. You've got to obey it before you can ever realize it truly is the word of God. I have so many stories I could tell about applying the word of God and how God came through. But again, I have to expedite today because we are running out of time. So the word of God in your life, one, it will give you protection. The storms of life will hit you and you will stand. Um, secondly, is it gives you freedom. Thirdly, it gives you success. This is where I began. God usually kind of hooks you into the word of God through success because that's how we're driven. We, we, we want to have provision. We want the, end, the, 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 the ends to meet at the end of the week. We want whatever we do to prosper. We want our companies to prosper, our marriages to prosper, our children to prosper, our finances to prosper. And so many times uh, God will teach you how applying his word to your life will will make you successful and that kind of draws you in. But you don't want to stay there. As Mark says, you know, most of us marry God for his money. You know, at one point you need to define success as being close to God, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. But God is also a provider. Look at the word of God says in the book of uh, uh, Joshua chapter one, it says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to what? Obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Who wants to prosper and succeed in all you do? Raise your hands. Okay, all right. It doesn't get any plainer than that, does it? Does it? It's right there. I mean, think about it. You want to be a doctor, you go to school and you just study your brains out for like eight years plus or a paramedic. You go to school, you go through enormous training, grueling training. You want to be a lawyer. Goodness, how many years you got to go to study. You want to be a a, a successful salesperson. You go to sales seminars, read all the, the new generation of leadership books. You study to get your to, to get your skill set up to be able to do it right so that you can succeed. But when it comes to life, we decide we'll just figure it out as we go. Don't need to you know read any marriage books. You can watch Oprah. Can watch Oprah. <laughs> Don't feed me stuff like that that'd get me in trouble. I've got to, I got to have, I got to have a better screen right here. 
When we decide how we're going to run our finances, how we're going to run our marriage, how we're going to raise our kids, uh, church life, what the kingdom of God is, uh, how we're going to, you know, relate to our bosses, our, our attitudes at work, whatever it might be, we decide we are going to do it our way. And yet the Bible says that if we would study the, this book of instruction continually, get your face in the book. There's so many ways to study the word. I just downloaded the word of God on on my my droid. It is so cool. And I didn't know you could listen too. so I had to drive from the mountains of Ramona all the way down to the pit of El Cajon. And I mean, no, what I mean, I meant no, I meant I meant is anybody here from El Cajon? I love El Cajon. What I meant by that was. The pit pit stands for the perfect <laughs> interior terrain of San Diego. You know exactly what I meant. I love you guys so much. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. One of our board members, too. Hmm. Yes. Yes. I am not getting out of it. I need to move on. Thank you, Les. <laughs> and I'm so out of time. So what I did was I put on I just started the book of Galatians and I put on my earpiece and I listened to the entire book of Galatians by the time I got there. The whole book, it is so, it was so, I'm telling you, getting the perception, the wisdom, the understanding, the heart of what God was saying through the Apostle Paul to that church and their lifestyle. I was so full of wisdom by the time that I arrived that uh, it, it was just, it's remarkable how the Word of God will shape your heart and your mind and the way you perceive things, the decisions you make, the way you see God, your faith level. It all increases by the Word of God. Uh, look what Second Chronicles 2020 says. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. I thought it was safe being all the way up in North County. Okay, so one, obey it. Number two, pray it. I'm going to wrap this up. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible for you to claim. Why do you think God would put over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Why would he make promises? He intends to keep them, but he also knows we're going to need them. Why would he make a promise if he didn't know that you and I were going to end up in difficult, troubling situations? Whether it's our health, our relationships, our finances, our spirituality, whatever it might be, God has over 7,000 promises. And when you read the Bible, when you read prayers in the Bible, you read people praying prayers that are filled with Scripture. Returning Scripture to God. God, you said that when this happened, that you would do this. And then you see God move based on them returning His Word to them, His promise. Don't your kids do that? You promised. Did they ever do that to you? You promised. That's why I try to make as few promises as I possibly can. <laughs> They try to corner me into promising. Can we? Huh? When? Can we do it? Are you sure? I always say, maybe. Could happen. I don't know. We'll see. Most likely is as close as I get to making a promise. <laughs>
Because they, they double dog will hold you to it, man. I mean, if you make a promise, they just latch onto you like a barnacle on a ship, man, like a bulldog on a bone. They will not let you go because you're a liar. You could damage their, them for life. They won't be able to trust God because, you know, you made a promise to take them to Chuck E. Cheese's and you have it. And so God probably won't come to you for me either. You know, I mean, you will carry that baggage for the rest of your life. You will be responsible for all of their issues. So here's my point. Don't ever make any promises to your children. That's the whole reason I brought this up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But do keep your promises when you do make them. But this is what I said to one of my children on the way to church the other day. She said, I think we're somewhere. She said, you promised. And this is what I said. I did promise. But I could not keep that promise because life happened. As much as I wanted to, I just couldn't do it. But let me tell you someone who will always keep his promises, God. And I directed her to God's faithfulness. Because even though my best intentions were to follow through on that, I just couldn't. Because things happened and I couldn't make it. So I always turn them to God because look what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are, say it out loud, yes, yes in Christ. And so through him, Jesus, the, say it out loud, amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words, we believe it, God does it, God gets glorified. And then the last thing is to say it. And this is so powerful. You have no idea how powerful your mouth is. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You have a miracle in your mouth. The tongue is the most powerful thing you have. And some of you know that's true about your spouse. That their tongue is like a, like a wood chipper, man. I mean, it's like a paper shredder on the negative side. But also the tongue of kindness can melt the hardest heart. The tongue is the most powerful member of your body. The Bible says that. It literally says it sets the course of your life. Your tongue sets the course of your life. That's not just in relational, natural speaking. It is also in the spiritual. Look at, uh, well, in, um, we're not going to look at the passage, but in the book of Luke, Jesus is being sorely tempted by the devil. He's fasted for 40 days, hasn't drank or ate anything. He's weak. He's alone. He's isolated. He's vulnerable. And Satan shows up and starts pushing him, tempting him with thoughts. Hitting him right where it hurts. Jesus is beginning to starve to death after 40 days. His body is starting to shut down. And Satan says, Hey, why don't you operate independently of God? Same temptation as Adam and Eve. The same three temptations in the desert with the same three temptations in the garden, by the way. Hey, why don't you operate independently? You got power. Turn that stone into bread and eat, man. Jesus didn't do what most of us charismatics do. Ah, you better get out of here. I'm going to hurt you. Ah! You know, speaking in tongues, jumping around and saying all sorts of stuff. No, that doesn't do anything in the realm of the spirit. That does nothing. What Satan respects is the word of God, whether you and I do or don't. Jesus Christ turns right at Satan and says, it is written. And he quotes scripture that Moses wrote 4,000 years earlier. 
Jesus really believes the word of God is the word of God. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Prophecy. So Satan said, well, that one didn't work. So he tempts him again with the second temptation, which was power. And he says, I'll give you all these kingdoms, wealth, success, authority. And Jesus turns to him again and says, it is written and quotes the Bible to the devil again. Then the third time he tries to get him to twist. He says, oh, you're going to use the word on me. I'll use the word on you. And he twists the scriptures and quotes the scripture to Jesus, which is what cults and false religions do. They take the scriptures and they twist them. So it sounds like Christianity, but it's not. And so he quotes a scripture at Jesus and does a, decides, oh, this is going to be a sword fight. So Jesus whips out his sword. It's a lot bigger than Satan's. And so is yours, by the way. It's called the word of God. And he says it is also written and he trumps Satan's scripture with another scripture. And you know what the Bible says after Jesus quoted three scriptures to the devil? You know what the Bible says? Satan left him for a more opportune time. <laughs> like maybe when he's not going to be quoting scripture at me. You see, Satan respects the word of God. He hates it, but he respects it and he has to obey it. The Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. They just don't obey. So for you and I not to know the word of God and speak the word of God into situations in our lives, we have our sword laying on the ground. In the midst of a spiritual battle. Look at the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. A two-edged sword comes out of the mouth of Jesus in the book of Revelations. The book of Hebrews says the word of God is a two-edged sword. The book of Revelation says Jesus' name is the word of God. And look at this last scripture. This is so powerful out of the book of Job. It says, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. When they cast you down and you say, exaltation will come, then he will save the humble person. He will even deliver one who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered by the purity of your hands. I, because we just did not have the time today, I have stories, um, on every one of these points, especially speaking the word of God and how situations changed. Praying promises, how situations change, but you probably do too. If you don't, and even if you do, this is my encouragement, my challenge. This is my heart's desire for you, for me, for this church, is that we all will begin to honor the word of God to the degree that Jesus Christ honors the word of God. When Jesus was pushed against the wall, he went straight to the word of God. What does the word of God say? That's what he spoke. That's what he prayed. That's what he taught. He said, heaven and earth is going to pass away. My words will never pass away. So the smartest thing to do is to stand on the word of God. Amen. Amen. So let's all stand. And I want us as a congregation today to draw a spiritual line in the sand. That we are no longer going to leave the Bible on the living room table where it looks pretty and is collecting dust. You're no longer going to ask the question, where's my Bible? (laughs) 
But as a congregation, we are not going to make the word of God second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth level of importance in our lives. I pray today that the word of God would become our rally cry. It would become the sword of the spirit in our hand. It will be the first, second and last thing we go to. To decide what to do in any situation in our lives. That we are a church that obeys, prays, and says the word of God in our lives. So that God can perform his words in our lives and through our lives. Amen? Will you draw the line in the sand with me today? Will you decide deep in your heart you are no longer going to wrestle and debate whether the Bible is the word of God or not? Don't waste another day on that foolish debate. Grab a hold of that word and decide every word in this book was breathed by God and all 7,000 promises are for me. Amen? Can you do that? I've scratched people's names out in the Bible that have died and gone to heaven and wrote my name in their place. I have. I can show it to you. I've done that. I believe the words of God are the words of God and I believe they're for me today. Okay, so let's let's lift our hands to God and let's come under his authority today. Let's not be like Satan and argue against God's words. Let's not be like Adam and Eve and decide that our way is a better way than God's. Let's humble ourselves today, church. Let's come under the authority of the almighty, all benevolent, all merciful, all knowing, all powerful God who calls himself our father. And let's. Come into a agreement that we will never have to revisit again. That in this house, the word of God is the word of God. And we humble ourselves and agree with it. We'll eat it, read it. Listen to it, submerge ourselves in it so we can have the wisdom of God. The peace, protection, and provision of God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Lord, we take authority over all philosophies, thoughts, imaginations that exalt themselves above the word of God in this house, we bring them into captivity and put our foot on the neck of every lie that disagrees with your word. And we declare in this house, in this day forward, the word of God is the word of God. And in this house and in our houses, we will obey it, pray it, and say it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen! Amen! Amen.